Cool. Thank you very much. It's, uh, it's really nice to be here. Um, spoken on this uh, platform um, for various reasons and occasions with kids or... Uh, I've been to another church that was here, Vineyard were here, so I feel I've got, to get, I've got to work out where I am and who you are. But it's lovely to be here with you. Um, just a, a little bit about me and a little bit about the church. I, I was a youth worker. Uh, I was a youth minister at Sutton Baptist uh, for 10 years. And then 17 years ago, uh, the church uh, 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 recognized I was getting too old for youth work and foolishly asked if I would take over leading the church. Uh, and uh, so I've been in Sutton for 27 years. Hence, I've been on this platform at various times for other reasons. But it's lovely to be, to be here with you. I'm married to Sue. We've got three boys, uh, which is why I, I'm prematurely gray and bald. Um, and they are 23, 21, and 17. And uh, A-levels and finals this week. So we're very stressed as parents. They're completely laid back, but we're very stressed as parents. Um, the church, that's the church if you haven't come across. the old town school. Uh, I don't know if you know that where McDonald's is, was where the Baptist church is. was started in 1908. So it's been there a long time, and I was, was not there uh, at the beginning. I've been there 27 years. Uh, how do you describe the church? It's very difficult to describe us really. I, I think we're a bit of everything. Um, we have three different services on a Sunday that are three very different styles. We're about 500 people come through the day. Uh, we have activities throughout the week. Uh, we've got youth workers and community workers and, and various staff that we employ. Uh, about 1,500 to 2,000 people come through our buildings uh, every week. Uh, whether it's the homeless looking for food, we run a food bank, and advice, whether it's uh, toddlers and preschool, we'd have a play group, whether it's uh, children with our boys and girls brigades and activities, whether it's the elderly, we do a luncheon club and stuff. All of that, um, we have a strap line, which is to make sense of life, so we're very committed to relevance, and uh, we make sense of life together and to share the love of Jesus. And I think what we're about is grace, and they're trying to offer compassion to a very broken and hurting world. Uh, so we run a project on Falcon Lodge Estate. You may have seen it, Second Thought Shop. Uh, it's a, a place of cheap goods, but more importantly, of friendship and community on Falcon Lodge. And we, we link in with the churches there. Um, I would say as a church, and we just value your prayers, that we are... We're frustrated that we don't see as many people becoming Christians as we believe God wants. And we're asking ourselves some very big questions because loads of people come, lots of things happen. But the, for us, the measure is people who are prepared to say, I love Jesus enough to be baptized. And that's really tailed off uh, over years. And we... We're at a real fundamental questioning of what God is saying to us. Um, so pray for us in that. We just want to see uh, people become Christians. That's all we want. Uh, so is that enough? Uh, is that, 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 do ask me other questions about what, what happens and, uh, and what goes on. Uh, I'm, I'm going to speak. Uh, forgive me. Uh, if, if I was a proper preacher, I would come with something 
fantastic for you. But the way I've learned to preach is to preach through the Bible week in, week out, wherever I am. So I'm in the middle of a series in Matthew for chapters 8 to 11, uh, which has taken me since Christmas. And that's where I am. And uh, you're number 14. So I apologize. Uh, the way I preach is half of, because we have three services, uh, I kind of overlap all the time between the services. So I'm going to preach half of where we've been and half of where we're going. Uh, I hope it's helpful. Um, but apologies if you think... Uh, what kind of, I've dropped halfway into a series. Let me give you some context, uh, some wonderful stuff. Uh, Jesus says, well, he went proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And uh, we've asked ourselves in our church over the last few weeks, what is that good news? And sometimes I can go through a, a, a whole chapter in a service, but I confess I've been stuck in these verses for six weeks. So, Pity my church. Uh, we, we, because it's just, anyway, I can't get, I can't move on. Jesus went proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And this is just the context of where we're at. This uh, incredible uh, love of Jesus that when he looks at people, he sees compassion. The good news is that God cares. The good news is that God looks at people and says it isn't right. Uh, he saw them like sh- uh, sheep, harassed and helpless. There is help for the helpless. And they needed a shepherd. There is direction for the misled. And that's how God looks at the communities we're a part of. He looks at our office. He looks in our workplace, in our school, in our hospital, in our street, in our family. And he feels the pain that's there. Sometimes we feel it. Sometimes we don't even sense what pain there is around us. But Jesus is uh, moved. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is those who are ready to follow Jesus. And there's lots of them, he says. There are many people who want to follow me. And hence our real questioning. Okay, if Jesus is saying that there are loads of people out there who are hungry or just about ready. They're not like uh, seeds in the ground. They're, they're ready to be reaped. They're harvested. They're ready. They're ready. Look, there's loads of people who are ready to follow me, ready to know the good news. The harvest is plentiful. But the problem is the workers are few. And we've asked ourselves over the last few weeks, what is it that the workers are needed to do? If, if everybody's dying to know Jesus, and there's a load of harvest there, what is it that we need to do? Why do we need workers? Why can't we just sit in our buildings, in our schools, in our churches, and, and worship God, and, and all the uh, harvest will walk in? Why do we need workers? What are they to do? And it seemed to me that as, as I pondered on that, that we need workers to, uh, to do two things. Firstly, to demonstrate the love of God. I thought it was brilliant, and that's very much our experience, your story from your uh, teddy bear. Is it teddy bear? Your bear thing? Bear hunt. Bear hunt. Uh, it's teddy bears. You weren't naked, were you? <laughs> teddy bears. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, just clarifying what kind of church you are. Uh, 
teddy bear thing. The, 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 the guy saying, the media says that the church is one thing and our experience is another. And we are hugely battling the media. It's a real, real issue. And people have a perception because new atheism is trendy, radical atheism, whatever atheism you want to call it, is trendy and popular in the media. They believe that God is the cause of all the suffering and all the problems in the world and all the violence. And so the harvest, there's loads of people who would want to know God, but they're not going to go to church to find God in Jesus because they believe that we are hypocritical, angry, self-centered, violent people. So we need to demonstrate the love of God. There need to be workers who demonstrate the love of God. We need to be able to say to people, this is what it means to follow Jesus. And this has been a big challenge for me. Asking myself whether... As a community, we know how to explain. If somebody said to me tomorrow, tell me what it is you believe. Could, could my church, could we put it in a sentence? Would we struggle? Would we use language like the blood of the lamb and atonement to some sort of mystery language that nobody means? Can we speak it English to what it means to love Jesus? To be free from shame and to find a purpose in following Jesus. You're probably familiar with this mem that's been around in the internet. The world doesn't read the Bible, they read Christians. Problem is they don't even read Christians, they read what the media says about Christians. The workers are few. The workers are few. The harvest is plentiful. The problem isn't that Jesus is irrelevant. The problem is that those who would know Jesus don't know. problem is that we feel inadequate. We feel not up to the task. We feel fearful. And at times we feel disinterested and demotivated. And what do we do? Well, he says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. We're to pray. And if we're in the field and we're meeting, rubbing shoulders with those who would want to follow Jesus, but we feel isolated, we feel the only person in our family, the only person in our workplace, the only person that's trying to reach that particular friend, then we pray and we say, Lord, send somebody else to help me. Send another worker. Lord, send another Christian into the lives of the people I'm praying and seeking to reach. But if we're not in the field... If we're living our own private Christian life, we go to church, we sing our songs, we live our life quietly, and nobody outside of our lives knows we follow Jesus. We're not in the field, we're not working with the harvest. And when we pray, we're asking him to change us and to send us. And that's a scary prayer. It's a scary pray, prayer because we feel inadequate and we feel fearful and we feel disinterested. And so I want to go and explore a little bit 
about what happens next. And chapter 10, uh, you probably know this, that the the Bible chapters are put in later, and I'm pretty sure that there shouldn't be a chapter division between 9 and 10 at this point. This should be the next part and the flow through. And as we try and explore what it means to be disinterested, let's look at what happens. Whoops, that happens next. Jesus called 12 disciples to him and gave them authority. He says, look, we're going to ask God to send people. And by the way, now I'm sending you. You're the answer to the prayers that you've been praying. And I'm going to grab hold of you and I'm going to send you. I'm going to give you authority to do what I do. You have permission. We're entitled. One of the things I uh, had a great privilege uh, recently to be more and more involved uh, with Muslims in our town who are asking uh, to know a bit more about what churches believe. Let's put it that way. It's as simple as that. Spent some time with um, somebody who walked into our church uh, this week and uh, spent some time with the Muslim leaders that meet uh, in the law house uh, opposite Sutton College. One of the things that's very strikingly different about Islam to us, I hope, is that they always say, well, I don't know the answer to that. You need to ask the imam. It's the imam who teaches. And they wouldn't feel they have the authority to go and teach because they're not educated in the things of the Quran. And perhaps then we get a feel of the radicalness of Jesus saying to every disciple, I'm going to send, give you authority. You don't have to go back and say, I'll ask the priest, I'll ask the minister, I'll ask the vicar, I'll ask our pastor. I can go. And so he says, you can go in my name. Richard Rohr, I don't know if you've come across the writings of Richard Rohr, fantastic spiritual writer. Also a Catholic priest, if that worries you, uh, look away now. He says this, I would say that if you only think about Jesus, believe Jesus, and believe things about Jesus, and not much is new is going to happen. I would say that if you only think about Jesus, believe Jesus, and believe things about Jesus, not much new is going to happen. It is the risk of acting like Jesus acted that reconfigures your soul. It is not enough for the disciples to be the followers of Jesus, listening, liking what he says, putting a big thumbs up every time he does a good sermon. They have to become the ones who are sent. The 12 of them, you're probably familiar with the symbolism of this, the 12 tribes. It's a symbolic number. It's the people of God. They're chosen for a service. I'll just lob in a little uh, hand grenade for you to discuss. I always like to have something that you can argue over lunch with uh, people you're eating with. Uh, Here's my hand grenade, a little health warning. I'll walk away and never be invited back. When Jesus calls people chosen, when the Old Testament calls people chosen, it is always for a job, not for eternity. He always chooses people to do something not to think that they've got heaven forever. So in the Old Testament, he chooses the people of God, and they choose to obey or disobey, and the whole people are chosen, but only a few, the remnant, are the ones who obey. He's now going to choose Judas in a moment. 
And there your second theological discussion over lunch is whether Judas will be in heaven or not. Does he repent or not? But the point is that choice in the Bible is about a job. That's a little hand grenade for you. We'll forget that if you want to. Notice how he changes now their job, their title. They've moved from being disciples, the one who like, follow, listen, say, hey, we're with Jesus. And now they've got a new name. They're apostles. They're the people that go. They are the sent messengers. It is interesting, isn't it, how we talk a lot about we want everyone to be a disciple, but we don't want everyone to be an apostle. There's another theological thing for you to debate and discuss after you've worked out. I just lob these difficult things for you to, to go away and, and reflect on. But maybe we shouldn't talk about discipleship programs. We should talk about apostleship programs because all the disciples became apostles. There's a point at which you stop learning and you start going and doing and I know there are different understandings of what apostle means, and clearly in the New Testament it comes to nuance the two different words, and so there is a role of leadership uh, of an apostle, but there is also a sense in which we're all sent, and we go to be mission leaders. Brian McLaren, another controversial figure who you may or may not approve of, Jesus calls disciples, men and women, who will learn to live a new way of life and experience transformation. Then he sends them out as apostles, people who would bring transformation to the world. It is not enough to be a disciple. We need to go and to be an apostle. And we say, but I can't. What is the quality that we need? What, what, what are the qualifications to be an apostle? Because I surely can't be an apostle. I want to suggest, uh, as we look at the list of disciples, we'll find some qualities that we need in order to be the people who go. But the first one is this. The quality of um, a, an apostle is we're simply asked by Jesus. He's given us authority. And he says, I want you to go. And that revolutionizes everything. That he's chosen us. That he chooses and says, look, I, I've put you in the job that you're in. I've put you in the street that you're in. I've put you in the friendship, in the football club, in the golf club, in the uh, school gate. I have put you there for a reason. And I'm asking you to demonstrate my love and be able to explain what you believe. Two things, demonstrate what I, what I am about. And so it changes everything. We may feel I'm disinterested in this. I don't really want to be an apostle. I leave that to, to Stuart. But when he calls us, he values our contribution. He says, I want you, insert name of whoever we are, I want you to live for me. I want you to change he knows our capabilities. And here's the scary thing. He needs our obedience. He actually needs us. 
I don't know whether you believe that prayer or churches or obedience changes the world, but I do. I feel implicitly that the world has one course of behavior, and if we are obedient to what God wants of us, we can change that. He needs us. Is always disinterested in being an apostle, to be his servant, to be sent? Let us ask this question, how great it would be to get the end of our life and say we have fulfilled the purpose God has for us. To get there and, and, and meet with Jesus and for him to say, well done, you did what I chose you for. Not, well done, you, you, that was a nice house you had. And your kids... You should be very proud of them. And your career was fantastic. I think all of those things become straw if they're not that we affected the people we lived amongst for Jesus. Because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. What does it mean, the workers are few? It means there are loads of people who are disciples following Jesus for what he does for them, and they're not working. Because they're not saying, I want somebody else to find this. And one of the things I say a lot at our church, because it's driven me, is I look forward to the day when we have little reunions. And we meet people who say, I'm here because of the way you lived. That one conversation, the strangers that we never knew, that we did smile to, that we prayed for because we saw them on the bus and we thought there was something going wrong or we heard an ambulance and we prayed and in heaven they come and they say, I found out that when that ambulance was there, you prayed and you don't remember or know why, but here I am because of what you did. And the people who live their lives differently because we lived differently. And have loads of reunions. And it won't be that any one person is there 100% because of us. It'll be the body of Christ. We were an eye, an ear, a nose, a toenail, a belly button. Whatever it was. But we were part of the harvest. And that seems to me what life is fundamentally about. To get to heaven. That's why Jesus says, don't build treasure on earth. Build up treasure that will last in heaven. What is the treasure that lasts in heaven? It's people. One thing that we take with us to heaven is people. We will not take our mobile phone. There will be no signal. We will take people. So we invest in people. And when we get to heaven, we have the opportunity to to find out that we did what was meant And I don't want to get to heaven and find that everybody's a stranger because everybody's there had nothing to do with me. I want to meet people who say, that talk, that prayer, that financial gift that you put in an envelope and you don't know where it went, that changed things. And what about being just in the stories of baptism? And just to celebrate, there is no greater joy, I believe, on earth than to be at the baptism of someone you love. So let's not be disinterested. Francis Chan, you may well be familiar. 
uh, with Francis Chan. In our whole activity as Christians and with all our resources in the church, we are in danger of practically ignoring the commission of Christ. We view evangelism as a dreaded topic. We reduce discipleship to a canned program and so many in the church end up sidelining a spectacular mentality that delegates disciple-making to pastors and professionals, ministers and missionaries. And I've been a part of that, making it professional. And we need to do it together. But we feel inadequate and fearful and disinterested. And the bad news is that's just the recap of where my church is up to and now comes the sermon. <laughs> we'll, we'll cut the sermon. We'll, we'll be shorter. We'll be shorter. These are the name of the 12 apostles. What are the other qualities other than we're asked by Jesus? First, he says, not uh, the first content, uh, convert. He says, first is Simon, who's called Peter. Not the first convert, not the first person that followed Jesus. We know he wasn't. What we know is that he was the leader. He was the one to become the leader of the 12. He's an extrovert. He's impetuous. He's the one that all, you, you know, I have a whole sermon on Peter, so I'm going to fly through these things. He's the guy that says, yes, I'll do it. He's the guy that leads. He's the guy that people follow. He's, a, he's, a, he's remarkable. But he's also the one who denies Jesus. Now, I've had real problems with that word, denier, because it looks to me like denier, uh, denier from a pair of tights. Is there a word, denier, that looks like that? Because it doesn't look right to me. Okay, it's not about tights. It's about denying Jesus. Okay. He's sent out, but Jesus knows what he's like. He's the leader, but he's also the, the one that fails. We know more about Peter's failures than any other disciple, and yet he's the leader. It's an interesting thing about leadership in the Bible. It's about honesty, vulnerability, and failure. It's not about appearing to be successful. So what is the quality other than being asked by Jesus, the second quality of being able to, when we feel we say, Lord, I can't, I can't live for you in my workplace. It's too difficult. It's too messy. It's too complicated. And I'm a failure. And I've got this in my life where I've let Jesus down. And I've got this time when I was ashamed. And I've got this time when I walked on the other side of the road. And I've got this, this sin that besets me that I keep falling into, this temper, this lust, this greed. I've got these problems, Lord. You can't use me. And uh, Jesus says, well, I can use Peter. What matters is repentance. The second quality is to be a repentant failure. And so we don't need to consider ourselves inadequate when we own up to our own sin. The apostles are not the people who are successful. They're the people who say, God, I need you. And I need you, Lord. And they're also the people who love much because they have been loved much. And they live in the grace of God and they know how much he has done for them. And religion puts that aside and says the bad people are the people who shouldn't be following, serving and relationship with Jesus turns it on its head and says, those of us who messed up in life, we are the very people that God is calling. So what do I need to be an apostle? I need to be asked 
by Jesus and he's asking us and I need to be a repentant failure. The next character on the list is his brother Andrew. And we discover that Andrew is the one who brings Simon to Jesus. He's the one who says, I want you to hear what I've heard. We found the Messiah. What is this quality of Andrew? He simply wants others to know. So the third quality that we have that Jesus says, you don't need to be a hero, but just want you to have this, is that we simply want somebody else to follow Jesus. We sang fantastic songs. Hope is here. Happy day. And I hope there's a yearning for somebody who's not here yet. And we can maybe name them. It's a colleague. It's a family member. It's an old school friend. It's a person we run with or we play squash with or and we don't know how to explain it to them, but we just would love it if they'd found it. And we see them, perhaps the difficulties they're having in their lives, and we want them to know Jesus. Perhaps we see that we think they don't need Jesus. We think hey, they've got everything. Everything's perfect for them. Their children are beautifully behaved. Everything is perfect. And we think, well, we just want them to know Jesus. Because we want to be in heaven with them. And that's all we need to be an apostle. We don't have to have the skill, we just have to have the hunger. We want others. Who is it that we want to see in heaven with us? So that you've probably cottoned on, there are 12 of these, so we'll try and go through them very quickly. And uh, then there's James, the son of Zebedee. Um, I, 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 uh, 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 my name is Donald, and uh, that's always been an unusual name. Uh, um, I always prided myself on having a name that nobody else would have. I kind of liked being called Donald, but recent events in America have made me find it very difficult to be (laughs) thinking of changing my name to Adolf. It might be less uh, unpopular, I don't know. But uh, my name is Donald, but but at least I'm not the son of Zebedee, because that really must be a difficult thing to go through life with, uh, perhaps. I don't know. Anyway, who is James, the son of Zebedee? He left his everything. To follow Jesus. We get a picture of James. We look at him through the Bible. He's a guy that will pay a price. Did you know he's the first guy to be martyred? Acts tells us he's the first one that died. First of the the twelve. To be an apostle, we do need to be willing to make sacrifices. And if we say, Lord Jesus, I want to follow you, as long as it's easy, then the harvest will never be reaped. Uh, you may, if you've been a Christian for a long period of time, you may be familiar with this very famous quote from a missionary of years gone by. He is no fool. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I'm at a point where my kids leave home. Some of you may be praying, hungering for that moment. When it happens, it's painful. 
And uh, you can't keep them. You can't lock them up. Some of you make the point where your kids are about to go to school. It's painful. You want to keep them and you can't. Things that we can't keep. He's no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. We cannot keep our career. We cannot keep even our families. We cannot keep our status, our reputation, and our finances. What we cannot lose is Jesus and the people we impact for him. So we ask ourselves the question, what will it cost for others to know God? What will it cost to us in terms of reputation? What might it cost to us in terms of riches? Qualities needed to be an apostle, asked by Jesus, a repentant failure, want others to know, willing to make sacrifices. And there's uh, uh, James' brother John, John who writes the Gospels. We know him to be thoughtful, we know him to be deep, we know him to be close to Jesus. He's the one who calls himself the beloved disciple, the one who, who knew that he was loved by Jesus. Incidentally, there's another hand grenade to throw in there. When John calls himself the beloved, he doesn't mean, I was liked more than the rest. He means, I was the one who knew I was loved. He had a depth and a relationship that he knew. He was close to Jesus. So he was a thinker. He was the opposite of Peter. He wasn't the doer. He was the reflector. And... uh, we don't have to be action people. We maybe feel that we're more thoughtful and reflective. And it's okay. We don't have to be bold and brash. We just have to know we're loved. Then you get, uh, who's next? Philip. Philip is the one who doesn't give up on his friend Nathaniel. Do you remember Nathaniel sitting under a tree? And he's, Philip says, come and meet Jesus. And Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of um, Nazareth and Philip keeps up on him and says come on, come and see. He doesn't give up on his friend. He is persistent. And one of the qualities that we'll keep coming back to is the ability to keep going. Who are we not giving up on? Then you get uh, Philip as a practical realist. He's the one who says we haven't got enough bread to eat. He's the one that asks questions. Lord, show us the Father. That, and that will be enough for us. And it's okay to ask questions. In fact, it's good to ask questions. Following Jesus doesn't mean we decide that we can't learn anymore or that everything makes sense. One of our strap liners of church is making sense of life together because we believe life has confusions and questions and problems. And it may be that you're a person that has loads of questions and you think, when I've sorted out all the answers, when I've got it all in my head, then I will be ready to be a worker and I'll move from being a disciple to an apostle when I've got all the answers. And actually, God wants you to keep questioning. And it's okay to have the questions. And then there's Bartholomew. Uh, and uh, Bartholomew, what time are we going? We're going to crack on very quickly. Bartholomew. 
is consistent. He's just in the background. We don't know a lot about him. He doesn't need to be the center of attention. He is humble and he's faithful. He's always there. He's always mentioned. He's always named. And it may be that that's what is the thing that we can bring, that we're always there. We may feel inadequate, but we won't give up. And that's what a disciple and an apostle is. Then there is Thomas. I like Thomas, not because he's a doubter. He should never be called the doubter. He should be called the brave and honest one who says what everybody else is thinking. And he does it a lot of times. He's the one that first says, let us go to Jerusalem with Jesus and die with him. He's the courageous one. He's the one who says, I need, obviously I need to uh, uh, feel and touch. But let's, let's move on because he's the first one that says Jesus is God. So we need to be the people who are brave and honest and real and don't give up. Then there is Matthew, and we spent a lot of time in our church looking at Matthew. Matthew is a tax collector. He's a traitor. He's a thief. He's a, an exploiter. He's a bully. He's a nasty piece of work. And he is redeemed. He is changed. He is transformed by Jesus And if he can transform, redeem, and change Matthew, he can redeem, transform, and change us, even though we may feel ashamed. Then there's James, son of Alphaeus, who's quiet and unremarkable. And we may also learn that we can be in the background. We don't have to be up on the platform. We don't have to be the center of attention. We just do what God is asking us to do quietly and in the background. And there is Thaddeus. Now Thaddeus is a bit confusing because the others call him Judas. And most people reckon that he changed his name from Judas because of the other Judas gave him a bad name. A bit like me changing my name from Donald to something else. So he was, called himself Thaddeus because he didn't want to be mistaken for the other Judas. But he asks questions. And it's okay to ask questions. Then there is Simon the Zealot. He's passionate, he's political, he's angry, and most of all, he hates tax collectors. In fact, he probably kills tax collectors. He's probably been involved in their murder and assassination, and he has to be a disciple with Matthew. For Simon to be a follower of Jesus, he would have had to have forgiven one of the others. He's reconciled. And if we are to be workers, we need to be reconciled to the people who have hurt us, betrayed us, damaged us. And it may not be possible to be reconciled. And so we simply have to try and say simply, it's incredibly difficult. We have to try and forgive. Even if we can't be reconciled, we forgive. And then there is Judas, who is disillusioned and who betrays him. And you think, why does Jesus send him out? Couldn't he have left him behind? Shouldn't he have said, well, he's a bad guy. He's the sinner. These are the qualities needed to be a disciple. We're asked by Jesus. We're repentant. We want others to know. We're willing to make sacrifices. We're willing to think. We're persistent. We question. We're okay. we, we, we want to be humble in the background. We're brave and honest about what we think and feel. We know we're redeemed. We're not remarkable. 
But we are reconciled and we are sinners. So, very quickly, let's fly through. They're diverse, they're not finished, they're not skilled. And we may feel fearful. In a moment, I want to lead us in a prayer for each other. But I want to say three things to conclude. Let us hear that it is Jesus calling us. And because he has called us, he will prepare and equip us. And if I'm afraid and I say, I I don't know what I'm going to think if I do this at work, if I stand up for integrity, if I actually say what I did yesterday morning, I went to church, and instead of letting it hang there, when they say why, I say because... Whatever it is that God is calling us to this week, those little conversations, those little moments, those acts that demonstrate his purpose for us, he's called us. He's asking us to do it. And because he's asking us to do it, he knows we can. He's not asking us to fail. He's asking us to be obedient. And therefore we believe that he's given us authority We don't have to send the Iman because Jesus is with us by his spirit. That's what we'll come on to. Well, we, you won't, but my church will come on to eventually if we ever get to the next bits of the chapter. So let us pray. Go and live. God's love and be able to explain our hope. So that we meet people in heaven who say thanks. I want to uh, leave my bit by uh, inviting us to pray this prayer over each other. It's not a prayer that I'm going to pray for you. It's a prayer that we pray for e- over each other. Uh, So let's stand and perhaps the worship group want to rejoin and take it from there. I'll leave that up there for a moment. If you just want to read it quietly to yourself, then I'm going to lead us in it. This is a prayer to send each other out into a world of peace. Let us speak faith over each other. Be of good courage. Let us encourage each other to hold fast that which is good. Let us render to no one evil for evil. Let us strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak. Help the afflicted, honor all people, love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, have we gone? Is it lost? That's all right. Um, Which thing came out? We might skip that bit then. Oh, let's try that. Has it come back? There you go. It's all right. Now, we can interpret that two ways theologically. We can either interpret it that God didn't want us to do it, or we can interpret it that Satan didn't want us to do it. Whichever way you want to go with it, I think we'll go with God wants us to do this. So, um, not saying you're Satan, by the way. No, just... uh... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) 
That's spot at the moment, hasn't it? Let's um, just be still for a moment. Let's pray for each other. Let's speak over each other. Go forth into the world in peace. Be of good courage. Hold fast that which is good. Render to one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Honor all people. Love and serve the Lord. Rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.